0: Welcome into the Galloway podcast episode 20 on this Monday, September 2nd. It's Labor Day. If you're listening on Labor Day or a couple days after, I hope you enjoyed your Monday off, didn't work too hard, maybe got some time at the lake, went down to the beach, whatever you did this weekend. I hope you watched some college football because here on the Galloway podcast, that's what we're talking today. I'm your host, William Galloway. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. We're talking everything college football today from around the SEC, Alabama, Auburn, and uh, kind of the highlights and lowlights of, of what happened week one in college football. It was a really big weekend, a lot of upsets, and a lot of things to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start with the segment uh, looking at score predictions on that people made on Twitter last week in response to one of my tweets Going to give a shout-out to a couple people who uh, guessed the Alabama and Auburn game's not exactly right, but pretty close. When it comes to the Auburn game, Matthew Jackson was our winner. He had Auburn 27-23 over Oregon, and, of course, that final was 27-21, the Tigers over the Ducks in Dallas. Alabama, of course, beat Duke 42-3 in Atlanta. We all saw that lashing of the Blue Devils, Uh, which Alabama would play Duke in basketball but that's a different story and when it comes to the Alabama score predictions nobody was super close some people got uh, close to Alabama score some people got three on Duke's end um, but the top three we had Corey Self had Bama 41-13 so pretty close there Roger Myers had Alabama 58-3 to so he got the three right on Duke's end and Rob Grady had Alabama 49-13 off on both but still relatively close to that final 42 to 3 score so the tide rolled I was really impressed with their play on the field as well as the facility I'd never been to Mercedes- Benz Stadium before if you have the opportunity to go whether it's for a soccer match football game a concert whatever it is take advantage and treat yourself and go into that Mercedes-benz Stadium I know it's been there for a couple of years that was my first time there great experience spent I think less than $15 on a lot of food in the concession stands. Uh, Two trips, less than $15, and that is unheard of in sports and venues like that. So be sure to check out the stadium. But we're not going to sit here and rave about that. We're going to talk about the game. And Rodney Orr joins us next on the Galloway Podcast, talking the game this weekend in Atlanta and what went right and what went wrong for the Crimson Tide. Obviously, a lot went right as Alabama had that 39-point win over Duke but before we get to Rodney one thing I just want to say that stood out to me about the Alabama game was the overall play from the Crimson Tide and not just that they played well or started slow and then got better but it was that Alabama football you've seen in the past where despite having a new offensive coordinator and new coaches all over the field Alabama was able to maintain true to its identity and really go out there and ground and pound and throw airstrikes and really just make the other team quit, as we know Coach Saban loves to do. And it was just that gradual overtime. You saw Duke just slowly falling apart. You saw guys slow to get up later on in the second half. And it was just that Bama factor of we're tougher, we're better, and we're going to outlast you. We're going to play hard for 100% of the game, and you're not going to be able to keep up. And a lot of the time last year, you would see Alabama just go out quickly, score 21, 28, sometimes in the 30s points in the first quarter, and uh, they could take their foot off the gas a little bit. Alabama had its foot on the gas. It had a little trouble starting and kind of getting the wheels turning, but once they did, it was was a consistent roll, and the tide rolled over the Duke Blue Devils. And so let's break that down now with Tider Insider founder Rodney Orr here on the Galloway Podcast. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a second-time guest and the creator and founder of Tider Insider, Rodney Orr. Rodney, joining us on the Galloway Podcast line. How you doing, Rodney? Doing well, William. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. We are uh, 1-0 and right now. The Crimson Tide are riding high. Still probably going to end up being number two in the country, but... Uh, it was fun. It was, it was a really fun weekend watching Alabama play, and uh, a lot of things stood out to me. And I want to kind of pick your brain uh, on this segment of the podcast and ask you uh, what you thought about the game this weekend against Duke in Alabama's forty-two to three win.
1: Well, I thought obviously the slow start, and then after that, once they kind of got uh, into a little bit of a rhythm offensively, I thought that the uh, you know, certainly everything kind of picked up after that. I thought the quick throws, to the receivers kind of got things started with their ability to run after the catch, and make big plays. Uh, so I thought offensively, uh, that was the thing that really stood out to me is Tua was crisp. Uh, the receivers really were sharp as we expected. That's not something that uh, is enlightening to really anyone because we knew what they could do. But, uh, You know, offensively on the offensive line, uh, that's been an area where people were wondering would Alabama make improvement this year. Here's the thing. It's game one. And I think it's very difficult to judge some of these things in the first game. You look at Alabama, really they're only bringing back one guy that started the same position last year, and that's Jedrick Wills at right tackle. Alex Leatherwood moved from right guard to to left tackle. You've got three new interior players. And and they actually uh, did a lot of uh, shuffling of the offensive line in the game. So uh, there were more than that that actually played. Uh, But you started a guy at left guard, he's a true freshman. You started a center who, that was his first career start. And then you had a guy at right guard making his first start as well, who is a grad transfer who had only been in town about six weeks. So you kind of get the drift. It takes a little time to develop that cohesiveness up front offensively. They're still tinkering with that. On the defensive side, I would say this. Uh, Alabama starting a true freshman at nose and then two true freshman inside linebackers. I thought as a whole, only giving up, what, 204 total yards? Pretty amazing when you consider that. So defensively, Thought that they played really, really well. Had a couple of turnovers. Uh, forced a strip to strip the fumble. Trevon Diggs came up with that, and also came up with an interception. And then Jordan Battle, the true freshman, had an interception late in the game. So, uh, kicking game, William. I thought that uh, Will Riker punted the ball pretty well. Certainly kicked off extremely well, and his two kick his two field goal attempts. I thought where he hit them extremely well, but both of them boinked right off the one off the right upright, and one off the left, but they were 48, 49 yards. So uh, I'm still very confident in what he can do.
0: Yeah. Riker played really well. And a lot of Bama fans moaned and groaned when that first field goal hit, uh, that the post, but, when you think about it, freshman, very first game, a little bit of nerves, um, and outside of the field goal, it was forty, like you said, forty-seven and forty-nine respectively. Uh, but he played, he played really well, and, and the kid's got a bright future. I mean, he wasn't one of the top, if not the top, kicker uh, last year in the country for no reason, Rodney. When you look around college football in the SEC as well, Tua put up numbers that were uh, essentially unparalleled, except when you look at J- what Jalen Hurts did last night against Houston. How do you compare? When you look around college football, what Tua did in a relatively quiet uh, game—you know, looking at the stats specifically—he put up, he was 26 for 31, 336 yards to the air, and four touchdowns. Uh, and not a whole lot of people are talking about that performance. You know, he's relatively quiet in the media and stuff. People were quick to criticize Trevor Lawrence for his two interceptions. Uh, but when you compare quarterbacks, where does Tua kind of add up right now in college football?
1: Well, I mean, it's still very early. I think we know that he and Trevor Lawrence are probably the two elite quarterbacks in the country. Jake Fromm is a little bit different. He manages their offense extremely well. He's effective. He's efficient. He was 15 of 23, I think, for 150-something yards. Not a lot of throwing on his part in that game against Vanderbilt, but, you know, he is extremely efficient. We know what he can do. After those three, and, again, I'm you know, I'm going off the top of my head, uh, you know nationally those three certainly stand out to me and beyond that I mean it's just a bunch of other guys that uh, you know I have to become more familiar with as this season goes along and obviously uh, USC lost their promising quarterback sophomore JT Daniels to an APL uh the out of the year so um really I, I just think the two had a great game he was very crisp uh very close to having even a much bigger game. Think about this, William. He had a throw of, I don't know the exact yardage total, 40-plus yards to Jalen Waddell that was called back because of a hold early in the game. And then later in the game, right. he had a, a, a throw to Najee that picked up considerable yardage that would have come back. So he, he would have been over 400 yards at, uh, you know, without a couple of penalties.
0: Yeah, and... and... A lot of guys played really well. Tua played extremely well, and Alabama fans can be very... Uh, satisfied with the way he played and even Mac Jones and Talia got in there and got some snaps so uh, much like a lot of the games last year Tua did not play the whole game. Last question uh, Rodney, when we look forward to this weekend and this New Mexico State team what can Alabama expect on the other side of course they had a big loss um, against Washington State this weekend and Alabama is I think currently sitting on a 54, 54 and a half point favorite uh, over this team this weekend coming to Tuscaloosa but the home opener for the Crimson Tide, what can Alabama fans expect to see out of New Mexico State and Alabama this weekend?
1: Well, I think uh, you know, my uh, tighter and tighter TV partner Gary Harris tells me that he thinks New Mexico State could vie for the worst team in the country. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see. But I know that they, Coach Saban, in addressing the media today, talked about how he thought they have a pretty good passing attack. They do a lot of uh, spread formation type stuff that throw the ball a lot. So that's going to be a challenge. And I think, uh, you know, certainly be interesting to see how the defense continues to progress. Watch some of these younger players, uh, going to challenge some of these young linebackers. I think the pass rush will be something to keep an eye on, but, uh, on the other side of the ball, I think offensively, you want to continue to develop some cohesiveness up front, kind of figure out what direction you want to go in terms of personnel, uh, Maybe won't make all that decision in this game, but maybe it'll be a helpful game to, to kind of draw some conclusions. And then I think you want to also, with the running backs, uh, you know, I, I don't think they had their best game in the opener against Duke, but uh, they, they should get some opportunities in this game. And I'd like to see, besides Najee and Brian Robinson, also look forward to seeing more of Jerome Ford, who finished strong after having the ball punched out early in the game on Saturday, and then Keelan Robinson, the true freshman, I'd be interested to see him a little more. He had a couple of carries. I say that, William, because I, I think eventually Alabama's going to need that third guy to be a, a, add a little spark in terms of the, the initial burst because when you look at Brian and, and Najee neither one of those guys really have that great initial burst, that speed, that quickness I, I'm talking about in the first few steps. And, uh, I think they're going to eventually need that.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that with plenty of Alabama running backs in the past. That kickoff uh, time is 3 o'clock Central this Saturday. The game will be in Bryant-Denny, also televised on SEC Network. Rodney, thank you so much for a quick call-in and a report uh, from this weekend and a look forward to next weekend against New Mexico State.
1: Thank you, William.
0: Thanks again to Rodney, as always, for spending time talking with us here on the Galloway Podcast. Uh, You probably do, but you can follow him on Twitter at Tider Insider. You can follow me at WM underscore Galloway. He's covered Alabama for years and years, and so it's always great to hear from him and his insight, especially on uh, this this new team and kind of the new identity that they're trying to form. One thing that stood out to me when he talked about the defense, I remember that play Xavier McKinney made on fourth and three, coming over the middle and stopping that Duke defender from trying to get a first down. He wouldn't let him cross the line, uh, and he just essentially drugged the guy for I think it was a good uh, lateral probably seven to ten yards and Alabama just showing these strengths of of what it can become throughout the season and we'll see it in the coming weeks we'll see it this weekend against New Mexico State but just all these different things stand out to me about that game and and we can go and go and talk about all these different things that Alabama did well but Rodney summed it up pretty well saying you know Alabama had these moments of varying levels of consistency but overall as a team it's developing its identity and it's going to get its Chance Alabama will get its chance to do it again and more so this weekend against a New Mexico State team that we believe will not really put up a huge fight against the Crimson Tide. I think Alabama is currently a 54 point favorite in that game Saturday coming here to Tuscaloosa and Bryant-Denny Stadium. So we're excited for that game. In the lower half of the state this weekend, a lot of people were looking forward to that Auburn, Oregon game, and it did not disappoint that primetime matchup between the Ducks and the Tigers in Dallas was a good one. Now, I gotta say, I was driving back from Atlanta, and so I missed just about the entire game, and the last, the only thing that I was able to catch was that last drive, and uh, it just so happened that Auburn and Bo Nicks had an incredible drive down the field towards the end of the game to pick up that 27-21 win over the Ducks but when you look at the numbers and you take a, a, a glance back at that game with hindsight Auburn was impressive at times you know coming back cutting that lead I mean Oregon had a, had a huge lead and could have blown it up and Auburn didn't let them the defense made some stops um, but the ducks got out to a big lead, and Auburn struggled early. Bo Nix threw two interceptions early, and so there's a lot of different things you can look at when you think about this Auburn game, and the fact that the Tigers quarterback had was just 13 for 31, and so you know people were saying all these things about Bo Nix saying. He's going to be so good, this, that, and the other. Well, when you look at the numbers, it's not great, but he also, the passes he made and the time he had to make those passes, uh, he came through when he had to. So say what you want about Bonix, but he played well in that game. Um, I'd, I'd say the numbers about lined up with him being a freshman, starting in a tough atmosphere, stuff like that. He did really well. Obviously, Auburn got the win, so he was very impressive in that competition. We'll see if the Tigers will host Tulane, get to kind of fine-tune their mistakes this weekend. Uh, in their home opener on the Plains, and Bo Nix will get to become more accustomed with that offense. Now, one thing I will say about this Auburn game was uh, Gus Malzahn snuck in at the very end of his interview after the game. He said, I think we're the best team in the country. He said, I think we're one of the best teams in the country. Now, pump the brakes there, pal, because you were down double digits to Oregon, and yes, you made a great comeback, absolutely, but is Oregon the number one team in the country? No, Clemson is. And Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback, and your defense played very well. Auburn overall played a a solid game when they had to. Uh, Saying you're the best team in the country, nobody this weekend looked like the best team in the country. Alabama had mistakes. Clemson gave up, I think it was 14 points to Georgia Tech, and, and Trevor Lawrence had two interceptions. Nobody looked great in week one. Nobody right now is the best team in the country. Yes, somebody has to be ranked number one, but let's just slow down on saying that we're the best team in the country because... Here on the Galloway Podcast, I'm saying that nobody right now is the best team in the country. Uh, Alabama – and Clemson are neck and neck, and you just right now it's, it's hard to determine who all is the best team in the country. I'll tell you who's not the best team in the country, and that is Tennessee. Oh, brother, was that a game? I mean, we're talking about an embarrassment. That was just I think it was $950,000 they paid Georgia State to come in and make them look silly. Yeah, it was a 38 30 final, so it was relatively close. But I mean, if you watched any of that game or you saw the highlights, Georgia State was just was just better than Tennessee, and that was just that was just sad, embarrassing. I mean, come on, Tennessee, what are you doing? We're gonna look at some of the numbers here. Tennessee had a 14 to 7 lead at the end of the first quarter and a 17 to 14 lead at halftime, and they were just kept on their toes the entire game. I mean, Georgia State um, came back had 17 points in the fourth quarter, and that's really kind of they, – they hit their stride um, going on late in the game. But, I mean, if you're Tennessee and you pay that much money and you lose a home opener like that, you just – I think I think Jeremy Pruitt in his, in his post-game press conference um, was right to not point out anything that Tennessee did well because, sure, players might have played hard, as he said, but there was just – you can't take anything positive out of that game if you're Tennessee. That was just embarrassing. But elsewhere in the SEC, a lot of teams got the job done despite it not being pretty. Some teams didn't get the job done. We look at Missouri and the loss that they had to Wyoming. I mean, goodness gracious, Wyoming took the 37-31 win over Mizzou. Kelly Bryant put up some numbers for sure, but it doesn't matter if you don't get the win. I mean, come on now. Uh, Elsewhere in the SEC, as we're talking about, not a great turnout for the Ole Miss Rebels. Going on the road, losing to Memphis. Granted, that's a tough game. You're playing in Memphis. Um, But a 15-10 loss there for the Rebels just does not suit well for them. Probably, I mean, on you're, they're, they're putting themselves on pace to finish last in the SEC West, starting off the season and just playing a terrible game, not scoring a single point in the first half. Uh, quarterback had 93 passing yards for the Rebel, Black Bear, Landsharks, whatever they are, and that's just terrible. Uh, looking around the league, Kentucky got the job done against Toledo 38-24. Texas A&M took care of Texas State 41-7 on Thursday night. Obviously, that Miami-Florida game we talked about on the last podcast. South Carolina, not looking not an off to a great start. I mean, 20 to 24 lost to North Carolina in the belt kickoff in Charlotte. That's just that's not good. Uh, looking down now, going to the West, Arkansas only beat Portland State 20 to 13. LSU, thank goodness. LSU looked like a legitimate SEC team winning 55 to 3 over Georgia Southern. And Georgia took care of Vanderbilt 30 to 6. But when you look at the SEC and you've got these people um, like Skip Bayless and Danny Cannell and these guys that are hating on the SEC and they're looking down on the SEC saying they're not that tough. You know, everyone talks about their level of competition. The Big 12 is where it is, or, or Clemson has a, has a tough schedule. Whatever they want to say, the SEC is not getting a whole lot. In week one, they didn't really prove a whole lot. Now, we'll see how it changes in week two and teams as teams slowly start to form their identity and things happen as the season progresses. But right now, the SEC did not have a great showing. I wish they did, but um, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Auburn looked good. That's a big, big win for the SEC coming back over. A Pac-12 opponent but a couple losses especially teams like Tennessee uh, losing games you're not supposed to not a great look but we'll have to see what they do in the future to bounce back and if they can recover uh, and the SEC can kind of regain its identity in the next two to three weeks so here on the Galloway podcast we're moving on now to Twitter questions we asked this weekend on Twitter, we said, you know, what? What questions do you have from Week One? Some were a little silly, some were good. But let's go through those questions now. And uh, from Bob Plummer, why can't our O line block? I think I think they can, and I think they will. And obviously, Rodney addressed that in the interview just a couple minutes ago. But uh, you have a lot of guys starting at new positions, as Rodney was saying. They're going to move around, and this weekend they're really going to kind of get to form and gel even better, taking on a New Mexico State team that will not present a whole lot of challenges, but I think you'll see Alabama and Coach Saban leave that O-line in there for uh, the full first half, mostly into the third quarter, just so they can kind of get that chemistry down, uh, even if Tua won't be in in the second half this weekend. Georgia or LSU, who is better and could make the playoffs with us? That question from Daniel Ashford, us referring to Alabama. Uh, I mean, a 55-3 win from LSU made them look pretty dang good. And, yeah, they have a lot of hype this season. Georgia with that win over Vanderbilt. You can't take any final results from week one and project them towards the playoff, in my opinion. But if I had to pick between Georgia or LSU, I would say LSU because I'm kind of buying in that this could be their year and they could make some noise. Um, We'll see what happens there. If you could remove this from Josh Clacker, if you could remove one team from the SEC and replace them, who would you remove and who would you replace them with? I think this is a general question, and I don't think you want to look at week one and say, oh, Tennessee played a bad game. Let's kick them out. But – I don't, I, I'm not going to comment on who I would remove. Uh, I would love to see the addition of, of of Clemson, of course. I mean, I think who wouldn't want to see that? Uh, I know Florida State has been in contention, or in conversation at least, in the past couple years, but we don't know if there's going to be any SEC expansion. I uh, obviously would not see any team leave, but a hypothetical question, I will do like Coach Saban and plead the fifth on that if Tua Tungvaloa had his own Space Jam type movie who would be the other athlete guest stars I can't put a full lineup out there that question from Patrick Brickman but I know one person that would absolutely be on that uh Space Jam movie on on Tua's team and that would be Judrick Wills absolutely no doubt Uh, I think you'd see Talia because of the family aspect but uh, a good question there certainly from Patrick uh Which loss was more embarrassing, this one from Will Ward, the Gamecocks, Rocky Top, or Missouri Tigers? Um, All three pretty embarrassing losses, but it's got to be Tennessee. When you're forking over that much money and you put up that type of performance, that is the most embarrassing loss of the SEC this weekend. The last question on this Twitter segment comes from Mike At Mike M, Uh, will Najee Harris live up to expectations? What, what it depends. What kind of expectations do you have? You know, are you expecting him to be Josh Jacobs because he's not going to be Josh Jacobs? Are you expecting him to, you know, do what he did last year in in a more prominent role? Uh, That would be a fair expectations for him, and I think he would absolutely live up to those expectations. So I would say to you, Mike, what are you? expecting out of Najee Harris because I think we'll see him get a get a prominent role carrying the ball, sharing the load with uh, B-Rob, Keelan Robinson, other guys. Um, Jerome Ford, as we saw this weekend, played really well. But uh, whatever your expectations are for Najee, I bet he will live up to them in, unless your expectations for Najee are to win the Heisman because I... Don't see that happening. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what Najee Harris does. He had a good game this weekend. Um, looking at the numbers, he had 12 carries for 52 yards. His long was 15, and he had an average of 4.3. Jerome Ford, as I mentioned, kind of carried uh, the, the team as he got the start for the Crimson Tide. 10 carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. He had a long of 37, and he averaged 6.4 yards per carry for the Crimson Tide. so moving on on the Galloway podcast couple more things to talk about just looking at this week's games we're going to make a run through talk about the schedule what stands out to me and kind of wrap things up here on the podcast so thanks for staying with us Uh, Week two, the official week two of college football, looking around the SEC, Missouri versus West Virginia in Columbia. The Tigers looking to bounce back and get that first win of the season uh, against a West Virginia team that's 1-0. So we're going to see what happens there. That will be the location of SEC Nation this week. South Carolina hosting Charleston Southern. Vanderbilt traveling to Purdue. Mississippi State hosting Southern Miss. And, of course, everyone's talking about this one, Clemson hosting Texas A&M in the two thirty Central ABC game. I am fired up about that. Kellen Mond, Trevor Lawrence, big names all over the place. Uh, Texas A&M, I saw this a couple days ago. I think this this came out actually Sunday. But Texas A&M um, is a 19-and-a-half-point underdog, and people and, and and they're the number 12 team in the country. I mean, yes, Clemson's very good and the game is being played in South Carolina. But I don't think Clemson is so good that they're going to blow Texas A&M out of the water and beat them by 20 plus. I think a and going to make this a game. Do they have a shot? Probably not, but I think they're going to play them closer than 19 and a half points. As we mentioned Alabama taking on the New Mexico State Lobos and Georgia is hosting Murray State this weekend. Tennessee is hosting BYU, Um, they're opening alcohol sales in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville this weekend against the BYU team, Uh, what's going to happen there, I mean is is Tennessee going to be able to beat BYU this week, I don't know, but we'll see what happens in Neyland, Auburn taking on Tulane, as we mentioned. Florida hosting UT Martin. Kentucky hosting Eastern Michigan. I actually think they played in basketball last year. Um, So maybe Eastern Michigan can knock on the door uh, and and scare Kentucky a little bit because they couldn't last year. And LSU taking on Texas in Austin. That's a huge game. Everyone is fired up about that. What's going to happen there? We will see. That game is at seven thirty. Eastern, so 6.30 Central on ABC. I'm going to take LSU in that one. I think they're a a four-point underdog at Texas. They might be a four-point favorite. Not exactly sure, but that is going to be such a good game. It's college game day this weekend, and I am fired up to see that because Alabama will play in the afternoon, get to come home, turn on the TV, flip on Texas LSU. That's going to be a really good game. I'm going to take LSU. I'll take them... I'll I'll take I'll take LSU by by f- five f- five or six I'm not exactly sure I haven't made my mind up on that but I am overall gonna take the Tigers straight up over the Longhorns and in SEC play Arkansas taking on Ole Miss and Vaught Hemingway in an SEC West battle in Week 2. So that's a look at the SEC Week 2 schedule. This has been Episode 20 of the Galloway Podcast, where we looked at Week 1. We talked with Rodney Orr, the founder of Tider Insider, talking all things Alabama football, breaking down the game this weekend, previewing next weekend. We went around the SEC. We talked about Auburn, talked about Tennessee, and... Answer some Twitter questions. We're going to have some more Twitter questions this week, so stay tuned on Twitter. Follow me at WN underscore Galloway. Be on the lookout for polls. Be on the lookout for responsive questions. Best responses will make the podcast. We'll do another one next week, breaking down week two and previewing week three. This is the Galloway podcast. College football is among us, everybody. Thank you for listening. There's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.